whether you eat or drink. Whatever you do. 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 Or whatever you do. Do all to the glory of God. Welcome to Whatever You Do. I'm Danny. And I'm Abby. We're just best friends trying to figure out how to bring glory to God in whatever you do. Here we are on a very atypical recording time for us, but you're still listening on Saturday or throughout your week whenever you normally would listen to us. I don't know. Yes. Danny's going out of town tomorrow, which is Thursday. We're recording on a Wednesday night, which is probably one of the (laughs) lowest times in our week that we could possibly want to record why abby why is it a hard time to record well wednesday nights the browns host our small group but calling it a small group is it's like a miniature church it's (laughs) but it's full of children (laughs) how many people were there tonight there were i only know this because i counted to be ready for fruit cups oh but there were 16 adults, I believe, and then we needed 26 cups for fruit, but that didn't include Gideon or Arrow or Titus or Archer who had gone to bed already Mm -hmm. and were sleeping. So like 30 kids, 16 adults? Something like that. So, it's just... Also keep in mind that when we say... You know, 30 kids. Kenzie, my oldest, who's 12. Oh, I guess there was one older kid, Jade, um, who's... 13. Just turned 13 in July. They are the oldest. That's the oldest. (laughs) And it's a lot of little kids. Yes. Who are very excited to be seeing one another and... It is uh, definitely a joy but also definitely it truly is like there loud. are always moments throughout every Wednesday night that I'm I mean especially I think I think if we didn't have singing in prayer time it I would might. just be a I would die but the singing in prayer time seeing all of our kids yes. packed into packed the living in room and singing and I mean so many of our kids pray during the prayer time and mm-hmm. it's really such an encouragement and yeah neat every time every time and I it think makes it like okay this is definitely this is why we do this and and but I gets, make dinner for and Abby helps me do things Abby made the green beans and <laughs> really contributed I did also cut the potatoes she up. did cut the potatoes as I washed and peeled them so we kind of teamwork the and the Melissa are neighbor you've met early on this is your she, shout out melissa she is our fruit provider we are uh we called the limits of dessert real early on i've been in a lot of different small groups where there's no meal and it's just like desserts and snacks and appetizers yeah yeah and but we have enough birthdays and and also just like holidays energy and celebrations. I know, but I feel like 
we don't need to add one more weekly dessert to. Yeah. So Melissa prepares fruit for everyone every week, which is a pretty big yeah. task when oh, yeah. you're providing fruit for, for that many people. 45 people. So it just, we get worn out by the end of Wednesday night. Usually by the end of when everyone leaves at nine o'clock, it's like. Because it's also not like a two hour ordeal. Right. It starts, we, people start coming at five to five thirty and then leave at nine and yeah, it's high energy the whole time. Yep. So. So this would usually be our like crash time. Where Tim usually goes over and helps Chip do all the dishes. Especially during when I'm pregnant or have just had a baby. Yeah. Once I get back to, like, not being giantly mm-hmm. pregnant or postpartum-y, he, Chip and I, like, yeah. have our dishes date night. But Tim gets to have date night with Chip right now. And lately now you just come and lay in bed with me and we mm-hmm. just lay here while they do dishes. But tonight it's a real big treat that... We're, we're recording. still laying here in bed. <laughs> but we you just guys brought a microphone. Get so. to listen to us. So I've been thinking about what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah? I'm coming up with nothing. Okay. Oh. <laughs> really got you excited there for a I second. I really was like, I? oh, what is she going to say? I, Abby and I had a conversation this afternoon. And... It was just one of those toppings on the cake. I don't know. That didn't make any sense. But I don't even know what you're going to say. I I personally, I don't know if you're feeling like this, but I know you've had plenty of times of feeling like this. But I'm going through one of those time periods. I mean, we've talked about it a little bit, so I know you understand and mm-hmm. may also be relating somewhat. But where you're looking at all of the important things in your life and all of the priorities and things that you're like really trying to figure out like what should I be focusing on and spending my time on Mm -hmm. and spending our money on and our resources as a family and and you get this list and then you're like (laughs) I feel like all of these are my top priority and there's literally not enough time for all of them or enough resources or enough energy or and it's it can feel just really discouraging yeah to feel like I don't know what to do then because yeah which of these things needs to go it's easy to think like well yeah you might have to say no to some things you want to do or, but it's like when the list of things that it's like I don't even know how much I want to do these things they just are like a priority they're just like we need they're necessary things it's yeah. not like it's not like you can be like well I'm gonna just stop providing meals for my family so we can focus on this other priority I quit laundry like yeah. that's just taking up too much of our time these days right. so I mean I've thought about it like everybody gets one mandatory outfit and they like, wash it themselves wash it every Saturday <laughs> Could you even imagine if we were like that weird big family <laughs> that all wore the same thing like all the time mm-hmm. like they never wear different outfits they're just always wearing only the same. if it could be like overalls 
if the mandatory outfit could be overalls for everyone. I've been feeling the same way, but I feel like for me, it surrounds more relationships. And I know yours surrounds relationships too, but yours also surrounds like school and lots of other priorities. And mine is just being like, I don't know how to like pour into relationships. My problem is I'm always thinking I probably need to cut back on how many relationships I'm pouring into. But right around that time, I feel like there's like 10 new people that I'm like, I want to pour into a relationship with them more. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. So I don't really know. I think I only wanted to bring this up to encourage anyone else out there who might be struggling with this that... I think the answer I just keep coming back to over the last couple of days is that I so badly want to be able to nail down like which things I'm going to focus on and my schedule and get it all planned out and and just know what my days and weeks are going to look like and have these goals and priorities and not that those things are bad obviously they're good and we need to you know be even counting the costs of what different things are going to look like for our family mm-hmm. and, and our time. But ultimately, I feel like it keeps coming back to, like, I need to just take these before the Lord on a constant basis. Not just, yeah. like, even on a daily basis, but sometimes on an hourly basis of, like, which thing is the most important right now and really be seeking wisdom from him as to what thing and it might not be the thing I want to check off of my to-do list and it might be something that feels like it's interrupting my goals of what I want to get done or Mm -hmm. and these are good goals I'm talking about but you know they're not I think it just can be easy to start to idolize our Schedule and routine. I mean, both ways. I feel like we've talked about this, too, Mm -hmm. of, like, you know, you can get really scheduled and really planned out to the, like, half-hour mark and, like, have everyone know exactly what they're supposed to do when and, like, and then view interruptions as, like, like a friend calling in a crisis as this, like, huge interruption to your day that you Mm -hmm. don't know how to recover from. But then at the opposite end of the spectrum of when you're not scheduling out when you're not planning out things and then you're not being you're not being a good a good steward of your time and you're being it it's easier for laziness to creep in and Mm -hmm. but then it's also that balance of scheduling in rest and feeling like it's okay to say when i hit my third trimester of pregnancy i'm probably gonna need to have an hour a day where i don't I'm, that it's not something. laziness, that it's yes. intentional yeah. rest for the good of trying to glorify God in your family with your time right. and be prepared to do the next thing. And yeah, so I don't know. It's just been back to one of those trans, more transition-y times like we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Yeah. But because of that, it, it makes it more come to the like forefront of just like what of all these things is the most important and do we need to focus on and yeah even with my kids as they're getting older where do I 
tell them like, no, you need to do this. It's your responsibility versus, well, you could probably skip that today and give them grace to, you know, play with their friends because we've had a really busy morning and they haven't gotten all of their required school that I want them to do before they go play done. But, you know, it's Mm -hmm. trying to make those decisions and not just make them out of... Well, the third kid just asked me if they could skip their reading, and so I quit trying. And but being intentional and thought out about, yeah, allowing them grace in some of those things, and yeah, it's it's a lot with lots of family members. It's probably yeah. a lot for people who don't have lots of family members. I just. You know, I can imagine that these things are look different with a family with two kids, but I feel like it's just as easy to yeah. fill up. It's sort of like when you live in a 800 square foot apartment and you fill it up with stuff and then you move into a 2,500 square foot house and you think like, oh, it's going to be so much space and it's going to feel like not very filled up and then you know a year later it's like doesn't even matter if it's just one person it's easy to fill that up so I have a feeling that time is similar so Mm -hmm. even if you only have a couple of kids or whatever it's still easy to fill up your schedule with lots of different things and yeah and lots of different priorities and lots of different people and trying to figure out what that looks like and is best and So, that's kind of a little glimpse into where I'm at lately. Try not to... It's it's funny because I think God brings us as moms through these cycles and seasons over and over. And I am a, a little bit encouraged that in my discouragement over these things it doesn't feel as discouraging and and I do feel like I come to it more quickly and easily with the the ability to approach it of like I know these things will fall into place I know God will give me wisdom I know I need to turn to him I know like yeah and knowing he's been faithful in it time and time again where I think earlier on it just felt more panicky yeah but I feel I don't know if this adds to how you're feeling but just knowing where we're at in our pregnancies feels more discouraging because Mm -hmm. I've been feeling like okay this is like the time that (laughs) I get it all done that we have to do all the things run the marathon of like we're in our second trimester all of the first trimester stuff should be over by now and we have like two months before things really go downhill but it just feels like feel like they're going down the hill (laughs) they're going downhill quickly i think for me it just doesn't feel like it's ever like gone uphill (laughs) after the first trimester right and it feels long enough since the second trimester started that i'm like where is this like energy and motivation gonna come from right 
So that's what feels most discouraging to me is I'm like, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Mm-hmm. I should be feeling like, okay, now we're going to get this done and this done. And instead I'm like, do I have to? But I think part of it too, that's hard to remember and recognize is that each pregnancy our normal day-to-day stuff that is using our energy gets to be more and more because we have more and more kids. Yeah. And it doesn't feel like that, but it's, you know, it is true that your last pregnancy, you were only taking care of four other kids. Mm -hmm. Like, how many kids do you have? What (laughs) pregnancy are you on? And this time you're taking care of five other kids. And the time before that, it was only three other kids. You know, that part kind of sneaks and up we on. just are getting older it's true you're so, 30 i'm 30 now <laughs> so not in those old. i'm not dealing with those pregnancy 20s <laughs> yeah today i was running behind in i was like you life. were running <laughs> <laughs> no i felt like it i was running behind and so originally we were going to try to record this podcast this afternoon during nap time, but then I had agreed to try to get Kenzie to a friend's house at the time we were supposed to start recording, which meant I was going to get back later than we were going to start recording. And then anyway, I, I originally in my original plan this morning <laughs> thought we're going to eat breakfast. We're going to do the Bible reading challenge. And then I'm going to do school Titus. And then I'm going to leave for the pool at 11 when it opens. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to swim and get back and do lunch. But we're already... Okay, for any of you doing the Bible reading challenge with Christ Church, today's Wednesday. It started Monday. <laughs> we're already behind. <laughs> <laughs> So, we're already trying to catch up. That should be an encouragement to some of you. (laughs) Like, we're committed to this. We've done it already for a whole... You've done it for two years, haven't you? I did did it... Let's see, this is the 2019-20. I did... I started to do it a little bit in the 2017-2018 school year and I started to do it some that summer then 2018 summer then last year the 2018-2019 school year we did it pretty consistently and then this past summer we I mean we I think we completed all of it we had different moments of catching up but yeah um this summer we stayed on track pretty regularly we would get off a little bit in the weeks but we always had Saturday to catch up, and so we stayed caught up weekly. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of went into it thinking, like, we got this. Like, we've done this. We did this for a, we've done this for a full year. We're good. Like, we can do this. <laughs> and, yeah, yesterday, I think I was home. We left at 7.30 in the morning. And I think I was home for a total of an hour between when we left in the morning. We had a chiropractor appointment 
And we came home for half an hour, left for a birthday party. We're at a birthday party for four hours. Came home. I changed out of my bathing suit. I literally was home for five minutes at that point. Took Kenzie to her violin lesson. Was gone for an hour and a half for that. Got home. Was home for a half an hour, setting up my house for a birth class in my basement. Had to take Kenzie to church for youth group. Came back home. Was at part of the birth class. Had to go pick Kenzie back up. Came back. Right. The birth class ended. People left my house at 9.30 or something. Mm -hmm. So, within the time of... Abby made dinner. I don't even think we would have eaten if <laughs> she had it. I mean, Chip was like, that's such a huge blessing that we have neighbors to make food on days like this. And I'm like, obviously, I would have figured something else I out. would have not made some of some commitment or I would have had a plan in place. Like, you were my plan in place. Like, right. I already knew that. So I could schedule it that way. But it not to say that isn't an amazing benefit of yeah um so i don't even remember why i was oh why you didn't do the bible reading yesterday (laughs) yeah so we're already behind so we tried to catch up some of that so we did bible reading for an hour didn't get done with that until 11 but i had already told titus i would do school with him and he's been asking every day so i did school with him and It's just getting more and more behind, and I'm needing to take Kenzie to a friend's house. So I'm leaving to go swim. I I wanted to be home from swimming at the latest at 1245. I'm getting in my car to leave to swim at 1235, and it takes five minutes to drive there. So I'm like, I clearly am going to be late for whatever, everything we're doing taking Kenzie to her friend's house for recording the podcast. I'm going to be late for everything if I don't even swim. Yeah. But I'm like in the car driving and I'm like, well, I'll give myself 10 minutes to swim. And it feels like such, I would never normally, that's like, I think I've just had to get used to being okay with this isn't what I would want to set out to do. Mm-hmm. I'd want to swim for 20 to 40 minutes, but 10 minutes is better than nothing. Yeah. Like going on a walk around the neighborhood is better than nothing. Even if I didn't make it to like doing a full workout session, you know, grabbing a handful of nuts to eat as a, like, I'm just having to be more okay with just fitting in the, like what you can, what I can, even if it's not exactly what I want it to be or look like and it's just hard for us all or nothing personality types because for me it's like well if I can't make the breakfast that I'm supposed to be eating with all the protein and all the things then I'm just gonna (laughs) skip anything (laughs) until lunch you can't do that I mean yeah it's just so trying to figure out I'm still wearing my bathing suit guys (laughs) It is 10 o'clock at night. Underneath my dress, finally dried, and I wore it for all of Reach Group. That's just how life is going. Yeah. What about you? (laughs) 
Well, I was actually thinking of something we could talk about. What were you thinking of? That we could talk about? Yeah. About what we did last night at our birth class. Oh. So, we don't host, or we don't teach teach a birth class, but Danny hosts... The class. The once class a month. comes to my house and yes. my friend our friend Julie teaches it. So last night was the placenta class. Um and we've done this three times three classes so this far. This is the third of this third go class. round. And she has the class that she does is five sessions long five classes long so and then it just like cycles through them all again so different people can come at different class times and they're once a month and so this month last night was the one on placenta she does like a little like lesson teaching whatever yeah we learn about the third stage of labor which is a hugely i feel like the majority of women who give birth in the hospital it's done it's managed in such a managed way like yeah. just uh mm-hmm. that i think most women don't even realize that there are options surrounding it mm-hmm. or different things that are I being done that might not be necessary or i think even for people who are Home birthers, it's true. I feel yes. like they're. It's a very. It can be like, a very managed process uh, that. Besides, even the like placenta part of it, even the baby transitioning. Yes, like I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that like, before my last baby, I didn't know that the blood had to like completely reverse, and yeah. like. In the baby, so with a baby, because of the way that the placenta works and the. The vessels and everything when that it their whole circulatory system is running backwards mm-hmm. in order to accommodate the placenta being two-way thing between the mom's blood and the baby's blood right and so when the baby's born the a lot of things have to happen the cord constrict starts to constrict on its own so mm-hmm. we clamp the cord before we cut it but the Wharton's jelly that's surrounding the cord, like all the vessels in the cord, it begins to clamp down itself. Right. And then, but when that transition takes place between the placenta being the primary provider of oxygen and nutrients to the baby and the baby breathing in air, Mm -hmm. the whole, the baby's whole circulatory system has to switch directions, essentially, Mm -hmm. of what way it's traveling in the baby's body. So it's pretty amazing when you see a baby who comes out screaming and breathing and immediately. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what everybody assumes should be happening and happening and is normal. Right. When but when you think about really what has to take place, that feels like the abnormal thing that should be happening. It sh- and is really like an yes. amazing overachieving baby. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I think that that was like has always been something that's been really interesting to me the last couple of years because it was I had had a lot of babies at home. I was a doula for years and I never you attended knew. a lot of births. I attended a lot of births and I had never known that 
and nor it, really understood what is norm. What are the ranges of normal of like what a baby can look like and how long it can take for them tra- to transition and. Um, you're so, just made to believe that it's very, very... The baby needs to come out and they need to be crying immediately. And especially crying. I mean, really, a baby doesn't even need to cry in order to do well. Right. A baby yeah. needs to breathe to do well mm-hmm. eventually after but the placenta. immediately either. Right. If the placenta, if the cord is left alone and the placenta is still attached, even if the placenta is not attached, the placenta continues to oxygenate. Mm-hmm. Even if it were out, even if it were delivered, it can pull oxygen from right. the room air. That's why it's really important not to clamp and cut the cord right away and to let the rest of the baby's blood, because it's one third of their blood, that if you clamp and cut the cord right away, it's one third of the baby's blood that they're not getting then from right. the placenta. Because it's not your blood. Right. It's the baby's blood. Right. So if you just suddenly lost a third of your blood, that could put be really hard on your body and it can be really hard on a baby's body when they've so there were different theories around that leaving the baby attached too long could cause higher levels of jaundice and to some degree that's true but the jaundice it's causing isn't the same type of jaundice I don't remember. This is bad. I shouldn't be talking about this because I don't remember the details. (laughs) So I don't know what I'm talking about. But it's not the same level. It's not the same type of sickness. Yeah. Jaundice that can come from other things. It's a very specific jaundice that... Like, concern that a lot of people are made to be fearful of is... Like, the cord being around the baby's neck and how, like, oh, you know, baby, the cord was around my baby's neck and they were born and it was so, such a, like, terrifying emergency when that is, like, a design that God has created that is a really safe spot for the cord to be. Right. When it, you think about if there's a long cord floating around that could fall out of your cervix before the baby does, that is, like... That's a really a true emergency. Big problem if the cord get, becomes compressed between the right. baby's head and the pubic bone or anything else and cuts off that oxygen supply. But sometimes babies will be wrapped up in their cord. It almost seems intentional. Yeah. In order to not have that extra length of cord to An be. An arrow was born. How many times did he have it wrapped around his neck? Three? Three, I think. I think it was at least three. And. I mean, it it didn't feel scary at all. I know that I think even in previous births I would have had, I would have been more nervous about that, like seeing that. But, but it also depends on how the people around you are reacting to right. it. Right. And I knew going into Arrow's birth, I had learned a lot. You'd learned a lot of this. We'd, you'd already done the class and yeah. a couple of times. But yeah, it's a... I would say, so even things like receiving a shot of Pitocin right after birth is a pretty standard practice in hospitals. Yeah. To the the reasoning being to contract the uterus down and help stop the bleeding where the placenta has detached and help the placenta to to detach if it hasn't yet. Um, But I would say that in a lot of hospital births, 
those things maybe aren't working adequately and correctly when a baby's born. That's where you have to stop and say, well, does that mean that every woman really needs Pitocin or is it because of she's already been receiving a bunch of Pitocin and her body is now Mm -hmm. not creating the hormones in the way that it normally would. It's not getting those signals and stuff. Is it because the epidural is also affecting those things? Mm -hmm. Is it because of extra IV fluids? I mean, there's a lot of things women are given throughout the process that can interfere with the body's natural hormones. And then even things like, well, if the baby's taken away right away or even if a hat is put on the baby mm-hmm. if the mom is wearing a hospital gown and can't be skin to skin with her baby right away mm-hmm. there's a lot of these types of things that really do influence your body's response right. and your body's natural ability to do these things so it does become more necessary to have the extra help yeah when you've put other roadblocks in place that make it more difficult for your body to Mm -hmm. do these things so it's just a lot to to understand and think through and to realize that there there is more than one way to handle that time directly after birth Mm -hmm. and that it's not this emergent situation in the majority of cases and that there's definitely things to be watching for with baby and with mom and Yes, things can go wrong, and it's not a process that is without potential curse ramifications. Right. Like, the things can go wrong because of sin in the world. And another that thing happen. that we have um, watched, we did a neonatal neonatal resuscitation video we watched class Mm -hmm. and that's really interesting and something that I think is if you're going to be learning and trying to take responsibility for the actions you want and what things to watch for and Mm -hmm. all of that it's definitely eye-opening to know what I mean resuscitation in a newborn is completely different than resuscitation for even a child who stops breathing there's because of that transition we're talking about that has to take place and the baby the baby's coming out of an environment where they've lived with fluid in their lungs that's been their entire existence is having they're swallowing amniotic fluid but they're also breathing in amniotic fluid they're practicing the breathing motions with fluid so one of the first things that has to take place is that fluid has to clear out of their lungs and their their body has a whole process of doing that that can they can struggle with that a little bit sometimes i think it's probably common i know i didn't realize that there were actual internal mechanisms happening to draw that fluid mm-hmm. out of the baby's lungs. Yeah. I I'd always heard, oh, coming through the birth canal squeezes out their lungs. And I mean, that does take place and happen. Yeah. But the reality is that there's also actual physiological processes inside around like surrounding the lungs and the heart cavity and stuff that's actually drawing that fluid out as well right so when a baby is struggling with that 
it's amazing how you think of giving breaths, you know, and giving that oxygen. Well, if they're still, if the cord is still pulsing, they're still receiving oxygen, but you might need to give them breaths, but usually it's not for the reason we would think of Mm -hmm. that they really need our oxygen. It's more for the help to really give some force to finish pushing that fluid out out of their lungs and allow those air pockets to open up so that they can take Mm -hmm. in breaths and but you have more time a lot of the time than you think because of the fact that they're still receiving that oxygen through their cord and anyway kind of interesting stuff if you haven't looked into it before it's also really interesting to look at the differences of placentas yes and that's my favorite part of that class is that we usually have two or three placentas that we have out that people can put on gloves and just kind of examine the differences in placentas and where the cord is placed and what side goes to mom and what side the baby lives in and even where like their water broke and the direction of their cervix and um, it's just really fascinating to look at the differences, but also just look at the design of our creator and how he worked out so all of these details. And it's just so fascinating that our bodies can create an entire organ to like sustain life in our womb. And then we just like get rid of it and make another one. Yes. It's just crazy. It is. And all. Like you said, the different things that are variations of normal. That yeah. And then I think this is another thing that I never really realized, but until I joined this, there's a placenta group that I'm a part of on Facebook that people just post pictures of placentas all the time and talk about talk differences about and things. And we're weird. This all is like sounds probably really weird to some people. I guess that's true. Does it feel weird? It doesn't. To me? <laughs> but I'm like thinking of like my father-in-law listening to this, yeah. and he's probably like, "That's strange." What are you? But doing? the different vessels and membrane that like can run through the the membranes and different mm-hmm. aspects that you don't necessarily know and might not even see on ultrasound or yeah. anything. There are times when it it really has opened my eyes a lot to how. I, I would have said before that artificially rupturing membranes isn't really that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they just broke their water and it's fine. When you see some of the vessels that can run across membranes, that's not typical. Like, typically, they're... Right now, typically... Abby just showed me a picture of one. But typically, they are normally found on like in the placenta itself not in the right. membranes which is the amniotic sac the sac right. that goes around the baby that's like just made up of two layers of membrane but there are times that the vessels for whatever reason need to grow out and around and it's carrying like some major blood volume at times mm-hmm. and if you were to snag that bag of water in the wrong spot it could really do some serious damage. And so that's why I think sometimes there's a lot of people who are okay with doing a lot of different interventions at home. And I almost see 
even an intervention like having someone break my water is something that I don't see that as being appropriate to do at Mm -hmm. home because you really are taking on a lot of risk that because you're meddling with it, it could lead to a complication that then you can't take care of quickly like you could in the hospital. And I'm not saying that nobody should ever have their water broken if they're at home, but these are things that I think they're easy to not have information and knowledge about and know know the risks you're taking by doing them and there's a lot of things that people have moved from the hospital to home and you may have heard the term medwife instead of midwife a lot of midwives really operate similarly to right doctors and there's people who want the whole it's almost like they want the whole hospital experience at home in their bedroom and it's like well that that doesn't really make sense because when you are bringing in these different interventions, you know, people who are like, oh, wouldn't it be so great if they could like bring an epidural to your house too? And it's like, well, no, no it wouldn't because you be would want extra monitoring and things if like you, that. If you're going to be having them put administer anesthesia to your into your spinal column, you, you probably need them to be monitoring the yeah. baby's heart rate and your blood pressure and all these different yeah. things continuously. And there really can be risks that start to happen quickly that you need extra medical attention because you're bringing in a major component that's not normal for your body. Right. So those are just some things to get your mind <laughs> thinking a little bit weirder like us (laughs) um yeah i'm really sad guys my last baby that i had you don't you're not like thinking clearly within the few moments like the first couple of hours after you give birth and (laughs) chip doesn't really like placentas hanging around he hates them he, he, yeah, he doesn't like it. So. He hates blood. He asked if the basement was going to smell funny last night after everything was, like, cleaned up and gone and, like, cleared out of our house. I'm like, no, it's going to be fine. You're going to be okay. <laughs> I know there were two placentas down there earlier, but really. So he kind of influenced the decision in that my midwives asked what I wanted done with the placenta and... I mean, I had looked at it for, like, one minute or something. And I was like, I don't know. And Chip's like, yeah, you can just throw that away. And I'm like, sure, that's fine. And I was so sad, like, two days later when I kind of came to my senses and was like, wait. I didn't get to fully examine that. My placenta is gone in the trash. And I wanted to look at the weird cyst that was by the umbilical cord insertion and wanted to really look that thing over how big was that placenta anyway yeah and it was gone so well, we'll this remember time this time this time i don't know i'm gonna have to put somebody on placenta duty and make sure chip doesn't throw it away before i get a chance to really i got it maybe <laughs> I get it. As long as Abby's not recovering postpartum. Oh, whatever. I'm just going to be giant pregnant. This will be interesting to see how this all plays out. 
Sure will. It really feels like there's so many options. There really is. The weirdest one, which would be so sucky for you. I know. (laughs) Is it for some reason? Because it's the most unlikely. Because it's not what we think would happen. But if for some reason I had my baby a lot earlier than I've had my last two, and you have your baby a lot later than you've ever had one. Yep. And we're already due two and a half weeks apart. Yeah, it'd be like a month apart. I think we keep thinking... I, you know, keep joking that Abby might have her baby before me. And she's like, no, that's never going to happen. But I think we it's easy to think in our heads that our babies will be two weeks apart or less. It kind of feels like. Yeah. Yes. Not really more so, than that. that happened with yep. Melissa with Juniper and Brindley. And I never, I didn't really realize. Like, it wasn't, I didn't realize how jerkish it felt at the time. But. Yeah. We weren't as like we weren't living on the same street and seeing each other every day, but I was due originally I was due April fourth or something. We were due like within a couple of days of each other originally. Okay. Then they changed my due date to March thirty first and left hers like I don't remember. Well, see Junie's birthday is the 21st and she was like 11 I think her due date was April 10th so originally I think mine was April 4th and hers was April 10th we were like within a week of each other Okay. then they moved mine up to March 31st then my doctor stripped my membranes and I had Brinley at 37 weeks 3 days (laughs) so I had her March 13th and then Melissa Switched care providers in her somewhere in the 30 weeks, 30 something weeks, to a home birth midwife. She had been. It's her first home birth. She had been induced on her due date with her first and her had her water broken, so uh, induced again with her second on her due date. So she had never gone past her due date, even though she Mm -hmm. had been induced both times. So now she's with a home birth midwife. Who's like, oh, we'll just wait and see what happens. Yeah. And so she was, I think, 11 days past yep. her due date. So they ended up being like five and a half weeks apart or something. Yeah, which is just crazy. That's really... Maybe you should start preparing. I'm just kidding. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> oh, just kidding. I have no one in my life who will strip my membranes anymore, so... Yep, it's true. Can't reach by that point, so. Lord knows I've tried. <laughs> well. Well, I think this is it, guys. It's as good as it gets. So, we'll hopefully have more things to talk about <laughs> next week. Or not. I don't know, but hope you, I don't know. I don't even know if I hope you enjoy some of these because it feels like, why would someone enjoy listening to that? But that was for you, Crystal. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Crystal. Hope your dishes are going well. (laughs) Scrub those dishes. I'm glad we got to be with you. 
And anyone else? Steve, are you doing your dishes too? <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye-bye.